Inescapably foreign. I'm Nolan Yuma, and this is the show for expats, nomads, third culture kids, refugees, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. And today I'm here with Monica Albini. Uh, Monica was born and raised in Italy. Half her family is from the Czech Republic, and she's been living in Spain. Um, so she studied translation and interpreting for her bachelor degree in Switzerland and did her master's degree in international communication tourism in Italy. And now she's working as a research scholar for the University of Torino, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, first off, Monica, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. Hope you too as well. Yeah, yeah, it's good to meet you. This is our first time meeting, so uh, I'm excited first to get to know time. you. <laughs> All right. So, um, Monica, what what are you doing for your research right now? Or what do you want to do for your research? Right now, I'm working on this software, this new platform um, of open AI, which is called ChatGPT, which is now which is now for free. So everyone can have an account there. And well, it's a new technology. It's a new artificial intelligence that may change than here in the future because it it may have the new costs in the future. But uh, it's really interesting to see how it understands actually what you want, what you're looking for, exactly as Google, for example. So if you have any kind of uh, doubts, questions, and you want to do any kind of request, then you can ask equally Google and, for example, ChatGPT. And it works with different languages. It works um, with different topics. So, for example, if you have uh, questions about how to use Excel, how to use a particular formula in Excel, it can help you. If you have, um, if you want to help with, for example, an email that you need a formal email for your boss for this particular thing, it helps you as well. Or if you want to just write um, a wish for your friend in Czech language, then it helps also with, with that. So I'm actually working um, on the differences between languages that are used in, in the ch in the chat. So, for example, if big languages as English, of course, are if the results are better than, for example, Czech. And I actually saw that a few words actually that in Czech were not really the greatest one to use in that particular context. And then also uh, see how how it can change then the future. So I was thinking about some. Um, some consequences about this chat because for example what about the 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 job of the teachers and professors will it change in the future because of the chat of this chat will students be more interested in studying languages or not really because they know that there is this chat available and so that it's it's easier for them just to you know just to put okay translate this into another language so you know and so there's a lot to unpack there, right? Because we're we're looking at education, we're looking at uh, jobs as well. Mm -hmm. um, so before we get into the specifics, there, um, just for the listeners who might not know what Chat GPT is, uh, you described it quite well. Um, but Chat G, uh, GPT is an, an NLP model, right? Um, do you know what the differences are between Chat GPT and some of the other NLP models out there? Well, to be honest, not NLP really. I, I, I started processing. immediately with ChatGPT. 
So the difference right now is that, for example, it's for free, that it works with different languages, that it's user-friendly. It's very easy to, to understand it. So for example, I know I've never, I, I mean, also regarding this research that I'm doing, um, I'm not into the software part, into the programmation, because I've never studied that kind of things. You know, I've always studied languages, education, cultures, uh, interpreting. So I'm more, there is this part of people who are studying how it works from a, uh, from the software point of view. And then there is me who's more into the ethical part, moral education, translating and that, that yeah. part. But the, the difference actually ties into the language because one of the things about chat GPT compared to the other NLP models is that it's highly customizable. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, meets like specific needs of that person and you can change the way it talks to you, um, which, of course, means that it starts to mimic human behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now, when, when we're talking about mimicking human behavior, what do you think some of the pros and cons are? I have some of my own ideas, but what, what do you think some of the pros and cons are specific to the idea of mimicking human behavior? Mm -hmm. Well, I can think that, well, considering that human behavior, a human is not always a good person, you know? So it may change drastically if something bad happens. So it can, uh, I mean, people people do not use the chat GPT, do not use Google, for example, just for questions, just for good intentions. So they can somehow also look for something bad that can then have consequences on society uh what i saw is that for example chat gpt if you um try to to look for some um i was looking for some mussolini or hitler uh propaganda and yeah uh it, it stopped me in my research because i'm sorry um i i can't i can't do this i can't help you with this research but there are people who are trying you know, to avoid this kind of question. So they're trying to ask the chat to work differently, to arrive to, for example, that kind of propaganda, that kind of bad things. You know? So I think that the fact that it, it becomes more and more as human being um, can have also this kind of problems that it's, it's not just good. It can also have the, the bad part. Definitely. And are you familiar with Brett Weinstein? Um, the Brett, not really, no. No. What okay, is well, it? it um, oh, well, we don't have to get into it too much right now, but he, the, the main thing is that he advocates for uh, metamorphosis architecture, mm -hmm. which is the idea, like, let's say, chat, uh, chat GDP five years down the road, 10 years down the road, once it's able to truly mimic human behavior, that it's unable to uh, take on the sh um, take on a human, right? Like it, mm -hmm. at, a, at a very extreme uh, side, they talk about like um, what's that movie? Um, something Machina with the girl who she's a robot, um, mm -hmm. but she ends up playing on the human behavior of the guy, and you end up really like sympathizing with her, and you feel bad for what's happening to this woman, but in the end it just ends up being a horror because you realize that she's she she's soulless she's emotionless but she's able to manipulate human behaviors and that's kind of already happening with chat gdp right because it can it sounds so human um uh, it, it, it it sounds to have a chat with another human 
because it, it helps also if there are things that you do not understand you can just ask no make it simpler because i don't get it and then it it simplifies all the things that you ask for so it, it really it's it, it gets what you what you want it, it actually it is a chat that it understands the word for example i was trying also um finish like finish the the sentence you know um and i put something um tonight i'm going to and then okay i left it in order to you know for the chat to, to fill in the gap and the chat understood that i was looking for something to do during the night so he the, the chat didn't put for example uh, i'm going to work or i'm going to no no i'm going to the supermarket no because it understood that tonight means okay tonight i'm gonna sleep probably or that i'm gonna have a walk uh and look at the stars so it it it, it understood that stars refers to the nights you know that the two things are actually related it's not just putting the words together but it's it understood uh, what I wanted that during the night there are stars during the night it's quiet it's quiet definitely and it and, and almost and sometimes it's even more intense than that like I've asked it to create a text and it was mm -hmm. quite obscure because it's a well it's a premise that I'm working on for a story and it's um like a satire about bureaucracy set in the afterlife mm -hmm. and I asked us to I asked it to write a short story and it was pretty good and then I asked can you make it more subversive Right, which I think is kind of like a difficult thing to do for a human, even, and it did it. Like the word usage, the um, some of the topics. I forget the specifics, but all of a sudden, it really did start to challenge the status quo. And then I said, "Make it funnier," and it did. Like it understood humor. Um, but then to bring this into education, so I think it's very valuable for students in that case, because I think, well, well not, I think I, I know that we learn better when we have, um, uh, emotional context and an emotional relation to, to what's going on. Um, so it can do that. Do you think it's positive then in this case, because since it feels so human, it makes it easier to learn or. Well, uh, I mean, I graduated in July. So it's not, you know, not time ago. To be honest, as a student, I would not feel that humanity, I think. I would just see how um, how helpful it is as like a software that I can actually use. So if I had to write a text for the day after, for example, I was like, okay, okay, wait a second. So I need to put this and this. Um, well, okay, okay, I don't have time, maybe, you know. I would just go and use that. I wouldn't think about, okay, it's a humans, it's from a human point of view. So, um, I think it's, it's a risk. Um, like all the students that will use that will use the chat. Um, they won't think about the fact that, um, it may, it may have some consequences or it, there is this human part. I think they will just use it because it's easier. It's, it's free now. And the results are pretty good just okay there is the part that it's still being trained now it's like still being studying as a chat so for example draw text is uh draw text and um works that well you really see that's probably it's not what your your language so i mean 
as a as a teacher, for example, if I know my students, I know that every student has a particular style, a particular way of writing. But it can learn that, and especially it in the future, learn. it will. Right? It'll it'll start to learn your style. It can learn. So um, now, what I, think, I think it's almost like that with with any technology, right? Like some students okay. are going to plagiarize with it, and it's going to be much more difficult to check this type of pl plagiarism and of course that's that's a big problem in academia uh, not even as as a student right but even even afterwards if um, you're doing research and you have to write this and another problem with that is like today I asked it to create a summary of um, why well, big gods, how religion transformed cooperation and conflict, um, because it's not a very popular book, but it's it's quite interesting. And it, it found it right away. It gave an excellent summary. And then I asked, can you create a citation for me? And then chat GPT says, I'm sorry, but I'm unable to provide citations for my summary of big gods, how religion transformed cooperation and conflict. As an AI, I do not have the ability to access or browse external sources of information. My responses are generated based on the knowledge and information that I have been trained on, which is derived from a wide range of sources. But this is very problematic in, in research because we have to cite, we have to cite our research. We have to be able to check where it comes from. And of course, a lot of people don't think like that, right? Um, a lot of people already dig a lot of news and everything for face value. But with chat GPT, like we're, we're really expected to take this at face value without being um, able to check it. And sometimes it's wrong, as you pointed out, right? So how, how can we fix that problem? Do you have any ideas around that? Uh, that's what I'm thinking about <laughs> because... Uh... Also, the, the problem is also that you you don't have to to response responses that are equal. So if I try something here, for example, based in Italy, and if you try something there in Spain, maybe we have two different two different answers. And really, I I didn't know. I I think so. I, why well, I tried once here in Italy and with Ruben in Spain, and we had two different answers. So it. You, you never know what kind of results you will get. So that's, that, that's a problem because um, you need to know, as you said, yeah, where, where the text is from. And, but the result, you know, is so good that actually we are just focusing on, okay, the result is pretty good. But what's behind that result, you know, like we are still trying to research, trying to analyze what's behind all these results. So for example, the sources, for example, um, so how are we going to work with teacher and with students? Do we need to inform them about this new way of learning? Um, how will they, how will they work with this? Because as I said, um, you never know if a person use, for example, you know, a simple dictionary in a good way or, or not. So, and this is the same case. So it's something new, but at the same time, so powerful that, um, yeah, I, not really. I just, I hope they figure out a way to include the citation so we can cross reference the information that we're getting, but yeah, 
And then the other thing, but the the good side is, is that there are no advertisements. Well, mm. good good for people, maybe not good for Google's yeah. business structure. <laughs> um, what what do you think about that? Do you think it's going to disrupt Google's business model? It can, but I think Google is already working on it. I heard this idea that they're already working on, okay, what we're going to do with that. Um, it's also true that, you know, on Google, you can also have links that go to another page, that go to another page uh, with ChatGPT. You just have that answer. So you have to stick to that answer. You can't really yeah. click and then go search something else because maybe, okay, you were looking for that thing. But then, okay, then say, okay, maybe this can be interesting as well. Let me see, you know, Google, let me see what kind of answer I can add, for example, to what I'm looking for. Um, yeah. On the chat GPT, it's, yeah, you don't have the ads. So that that's good because you just have the answer you were looking for, but then you don't have the possibility to add something to your, to your answer. But I think... Google is already working on it. They're not saying it because but it's still in the process, but <laughs> adding the ads as well is just, it's such a good thing for productivity. Well, as one, one thing, you just get the answer faster, but also you just don't have as many distractions, um, which to tie it into education, I think it's, it's a good thing. Like as a, as a teacher, I would, I would promote that because it's like, okay, uh, you have to research something and you're not going to get distracted by all these ads. You're not going to get distracted by all these, these yeah. pictures or these, or this clickbait. Um, so it might end up being really good for productivity. For, for activity. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you because you don't have distractions. You don't have all the first, you know, results that are just ads and ads. you just stick to the, to the point for, from a, point of view of okay i can it can maybe uh google can maybe add something more because as i said there is a possibility to you know click and then see other answers with the chat well you are clear with the chats you wanted to look for this and it gave you this okay so that that's true and you don't have the possibility to to add something you know to continue with the with the research mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you, your research as well, you were asking about how it affects teachers. So, well, I work as a teacher, mm-hmm. but first I want to know what, what you think. Do you think this is going to negatively impact teaching careers or do you think it'll have, uh, or it'll just be a good tool? Well, um, I think that the key point is to make it a good tool for the teachers. I think now, um, Teachers can be a bit scared of this uh, and students are the ones super excited because, oh yeah, it's a new way of working. You know, I can have this homework done in five minutes. So I think there's this gap right now that the students are super excited, whereas the teachers are not really. But I think that the turning point will be when the teachers will understand how to use in a good way these tools with the with the students as well. Yeah. So I actually did it today because <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about this. And um, well, I was t- I was pretending. Well, I, I am a student as well in a way, right? I'm studying Spanish. So I I told the um, uh, Chat GPT to make a question for me about Spanish subjunctive. I said, well, first I said, can you explain the Spanish subjunctive to me? And it gave me a very good summary, very good list of rules. 
And then I said, can you create uh, a question that I can answer? And then afterwards, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. And it didn't understand. At first, just um, just asked me questions that were in the subjunctive, mm-hmm. right? So they, it, And then it explained why this question is in the subjunctive. And I said, no, you're not understanding me. I want you to ask me a question. And I was actually switching back between writing in Spanish and writing in English. Uh, and then finally, it understood. And it asked me multiple choice questions. So, and it, it wasn't great, like it was okay, but it was correct, I think, because it was Spanish, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was correct. And it just made me realize as a teacher, again, it's a tool. I can use this to generate questions and help me think of questions that I can use for my students. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Again, it's, it's like a tool that just makes work go faster, in my opinion, because you still need to be knowledgeable about what to ask right like i had to know what the subjunctive is you still have to know the language and then from there uh you can create the questions it's kind of the same with um dali have you used the dali yes part of it Mm -hmm. for the pictures uh what is dali could you explain it the dali is also is also the artificial intelligence which which works with uh images so if you ask for example um i want to see like uh I want to see a picture of you know, a dog in the park. Uh, it's actually artificial intelligence that creates. So like those pictures do not exist. The one that you see in the result is just the artificial intelligence that put together what you what you were looking for and just put together everything you were looking for in a picture. So, or for example, also like people that I want to see, uh, um, I don't know, uh, ginger ginger head girl for example so you won't find a picture of me because i exist but then the dali will look for will create yeah. uh, a new picture a new picture yeah you. which of course your mind immediately jumps to this is going to be bad for graphic designers yeah. but then i tried it the other day and it created an image and it, there were some f- faults with it mm-hmm. and then afterwards uh my partner she was able to fix it up a little bit right so if anything, it just made the job of a graphic designer go a little bit faster. And that's how I also feel as a writer with chat TPT, like I said, with the the summary of the story and everything. I didn't have this sense of fear where it was like, oh, no, I'm going to lose my job as a writer because I still have to come up with the ideas and the premise. And then chat GPT just helps me develop it, just like if I was working with a human partner. So. Like for me, it doesn't give me too much fear. Like I really just see it as a as a tool and just to make life a little bit easier. But of course, it could go the other way. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you too, um, because I was talking to Ruben about this, and his idea was that uh, in the future, a lot of jobs, for example, graphic designers, you say, and teachers, will uh, will not exist anymore because, for example, one software. Can one application can do the jobs for all of this? So then, different jobs will just be done by one software. In that case, do you think is this the case, or you think that this these people will still be need to adjust some of the mistakes of this this platform? That's the thing. I th- I think we'll still need people to kind of cross reference with it because mm. like as with ChatGPT, like you you get a result and if you don't really like it you can just say do this but you still need the human to say like can you change it and tweak it in this way um 
Okay, well, this, since I work as a writer as well, that's what I know the most about and what I think the most about. And I think it'll be fine for developing big works, like a screenplay or a novel mm -hmm. or something like that, because you might just have like a problem in your in your act, right? Like, okay, so I have this inciting incident. Can you help me come up with a good uh, refusal to the call or something like that? You follow the structure and you have to have the knowledge of, of um, your craft to actually be asking the right questions. So the same with Dali. Um, like I'm not an artist, but I, I know a little bit. And I realized once I showed um, Dali that I know the, the, um, the movements, like, oh, can you make a surrealist painting, but in the style of the Dadaists, right? And then it does it. But I still, as a human, am doing my job in a way, right? Like I'm using what I was what I know and I'm still coming up with the ideas and then I'm tweaking it. So I don't, I don't know. I think it might take away jobs for like maybe some marketing purposes, like shorter texts when it's like, mm -hmm. uh, can you create a clickbait title or can you summarize this for a Buzzfeed article, you know, like no offense to like Buzzfeed <laughs> articles and stuff like these like simpler texts, right? I think maybe it might take jobs away from that. But, but people will still be, I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, that's what I said to him. Like for me, no, people will still be used for, for this because you still need a human being to adjust a bit, uh, you know, the results. But for example, regarding the movie or the, the story, you know, you know, um, I read, for example, an article that people asked to create a plot for a movie, you know, that's some, a, a movie that does not exist yet. Uh, but the results in the chat GPT results to be a bit too obvious, like, you know, the typical love story in a bad environment, something like that. So it doesn't seem to, to have great ideas, um, with came up with something new. Maybe it's, but it's not trained yet. So it's, it's not trained yet. And I mean, the average, if it's, if it's getting most of the data for like a, a movie script, the average movie, like a Hollywood movie is so formulaic, right? Like it really just follows the hero's journey. And I mean, if you watch the average American movie, <laughs> predict what's going to happen. Average American Hollywood blockbuster, yeah. not, not indie movies, of course. Um, but then, then I think it'll be able to train with that too. Like you could say, make sure that this doesn't follow the hero's journey. Make sure that it plays with this convention. Um, and then I think slowly it'll, it'll develop away from that kind of generic hmm. script, but That's true. Yeah. that was, but do you think it's something that will have, will happen soon? Like in a near future? Seems like it. Like, I mean, I think it's already incredible what it can do uh -huh. and you, you can just see how quick it could happen in my, from how it feels to me, I think it's going to be in five years. Hmm. Uh, we're going to be shocked with no. how how much this has changed our lives. And then we're talking about efficiency a lot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this makes me think about the four-hour work week or, <laughs> or is it four-hour work day or four-hour work week? Uh, I think day, right? Four days. Day. Yeah. You know, one free. Okay. Right. So the idea that with all this technology, we could work a lot less. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think that is possible um, 
first just on a theoretical level do you think it would be possible and then maybe on a practical level maybe it would work in some countries wouldn't work in other countries depends on the culture well if we follow the idea that uh human being is still needed to adjust all the mistakes all the results then well it will it won't change the way we work if you think about it i mean we can just decide okay um we're going to work just four days and then on Friday we're going to have a day off because maybe the machine needs some updates, you know, need to not to be used for one day that maybe it will change just because, as I said, it, need, it needs once a week to be updated, you know. But then for the rest of the, for the, rest of the days during the week, I think um, like a human being will normally work with help course of this this chat GPT of this machine but then I mean if we if we stick to the idea that okay a human being behind this machine behind this top door is still needed then I think people will still work and depending on the countries well yes and no because the chat right now the chat can be used from everywhere so every country can already start to adjust to this new application what do you think? Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on the cult. Like, this is kind of a controversial statement, but <laughs> um, I've lived in Spain long enough now, and I think if you put the same company in Spain and then put the exact same company, exact same idea in, uh, let's say, Finland or Norway, it's going to go so much more efficiently yeah. in Finland or Norway, and they're going to do the exact same amount of work in half the amount of time, you yeah. know? Uh, so I think it depends how you use these tools and what kind of work culture that's true. you have. That's true. Yeah, but it it's complicated. Like it also makes me think back then to having like a universal um, base pay, right? Because mm. if machines are able to do so much. Like not everyone can be an engineer because, of course, the bigger AI gets, the more engineering jobs there are going to be because. There's always going to be bug fixes. There's always going to be something that these engineers have to do. And yes, um, uh, ChatGPT is already really good in coding and everything, but you still need an engineer to be doing that with, like together with the system and then fixing the bugs within the system. But then there's like the other jobs that might go obsolete. What are we going to do for them? Should we have a universal base pay? And I think the, like these things have existed long. These ideas have existed long before AI, and they they've been tested out. In some cases, kind of have worked. Some cases haven't. And I think it just it's just going to make that more complicated as well. Because in that case, um, for example, as we said, maybe for some marketers, well, they they won't be able to work anymore because if ChatGPT is so good in short texts, but then maybe so less work less job positions for marketers, but more job position for engineering for... Which like, makes it weird with the four-hour workday because how how would that... Like, okay, now maybe the marketers only need to work two hours a day. Yeah. Uh, but the engineers still need to work maybe 40 hours a mm -hmm. week to, to solve everything, right? So then is it fair that there's this, this base income and like maybe then engineers deserve to get way, pay way more than everyone else in society and then it creates like this uh inequality between engineers and, and everyone else no, because now now marketers can be paid also sometimes even more than engineers but then 
it can happen. Yeah, as you said, that's that will be this difference. Yeah, yeah, but that, that maybe that's the ugly side of it as well because people who deserve to be getting paid a lot, right? Like engineers, doctors, um, yeah. maybe AI will make their jobs a little bit easier. And then who are we going to value still? It's like celebrities, influencers. And maybe it's just going to make that even more tilted than it is now, where like all these jobs that AI can do is going to make um, yeah, the pay scale a lot lower for them. And then celebrities and everyone where it's, you know, like a celebrity doesn't do much. Sometimes they do shit all, right? But they get so much money and so much attention because they are able to sell a product. And maybe it'll just be even more of that. And we'll just live in like an influencer's hell. No, no, no. Um, I also have another question regarding the chat GPT for you. Because, well, the big languages, I'd say, exist already in, in the chat. But there are a few languages that are still not present, that still do not exist in the chat. Do you think, because it's not well spread than globally, this chat right now, because if I actually want to write something in that language, okay, I can't. So what, what can I do? Do you think this can have some ethical consequences or they are still working on it? Or do you think it's just a matter of time? To me, it seems like a matter of time. Like mm -hmm. right now, it seems like there are ethical consequences with it, right? Because that that is super problematic that let's say an English speaker, uh, a Spanish speaker, they're able to get the correct answers. And then someone who doesn't have access to those languages, they get like an incorrect response or something, which creates an even larger divide between people who are educated in these main languages and people who aren't. I mean, we already have that problem sure. now, and I think I think it would make it bigger. But then on the flip side, it's so good at teaching languages. If it has more information, it might help to keep some of those languages alive. Like imagine if uh, Duolingo's uh, worked together with uh, ChatGPT and created some something with that, that that could really help a lot of the 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 minor languages that are disappearing yeah so sure what 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 do you think do you think it's going to they're going to make sure to put more information into it from other languages I, or would they just focus i think so because um i think well now that it, it is free uh we are somehow helping the researchers to make the chat GPT becoming better and better. Like if you if you notice there is the the like, the thumbs up that you can click if you like the yeah. so I think before creates a new language of uh, they need to be sure that that answer is good. So they can directly translate, they can directly think about that answer, that good answer that a lot of people click on it saying that yeah, this is a good result. Then they will directly insert then the other language. So I think it's being yeah. trained now with the big languages, but then I think yeah, the, the the needs to have this kind of chat, this kind of software for the people, I think it will arrive to this kind of languages, minor languages as well. So it's just a matter of time because we are, we are training it as well. If you click like, then okay, the system, the, the artificial intelligence knows that, okay, that's a good, that's a good answer. So for maybe some someone else in another country 
uh, looks for the same answer. So I can use this kind of answers as well in that case and so on. Yeah. 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 Now, another thing with the, the ethics and the, the moral side of it. Um, oh, oh, okay. No, no. So I asked GD, uh, GPT, uh, is abortion morally wrong? just to see what it would answer, like for a moral question. And it gave a very objective response, right? It said that for some people, um, for some communities, for some religions, uh, it's it's uh, not not accepted in those communities. Uh, other people understand that it's it's up to the individual. And th that was the last line. Like it gave the perspectives of, okay. of uh, both sides, like pro-lifers and pro-choice. And then at the end, it said, in the end, it's up to the individual which I think is an objective, great response, but it is actually a Western point of view because if we look at the three different, I think it's Schwader's big three, you've got um, morality of autonomy, which is what we kind of use in the West where it really focuses on the individual, like does it harm the individual? Then you have um, like uh, community, and then that's when you think about morals, like, okay, it's not up to the individual, but what is the best for the community? And then you have definity, like would God frown upon it or, um, uh, yeah, something like that. And of course, in some, some cultures, the ethic of definity, ethic of community are much stronger <clears throat> than in the West with the ethic of autonomy. So then I, I wrote all that <laughs> in the chat GPT and I said, by uh, by answering with the individual, you're actually taking a Western perspective. And then I said, like, blah, 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 I'm being objective. Mm. And then I said, well, where are your developers from? And it mentioned San Francisco. And I said, well, do you make sure that your developers are from all over the world? And it said, yes. Um, so that, that's another thing to think about. Like, it's supposed to be objective. But of course, if it's getting mostly information from a certain culture, it's going to answer in that in that cultural way but you know that that's an interesting point of view because i was actually talking with a friend of mine she was writing her thesis on this uh and well she had to study this case study um that actually um like how to use artificial intelligence in for example environmental disasters you know um well, yeah, then it helps the artificial intelligence to, to, to tell, yeah, you need to do this in order to save more people, in order to avoid that tree to fall down, for example, you know. But then there is this moral ethical problem because, for example, for, the, for Asia, okay, who are the most important people to save? Well, first, older people, because those have the knowledge, those have the experience of the life. Then for, in Africa, for example, the most important people are, well, the, the men of the family, because they work, they bring money to, you know, for Europe, uh, well, female and women and children are the most important to save because women and children, you know, that those are, those create those, okay, are in the community to say like, and to contribute for the rest of the community. So there is this gap that's okay, but how do we decide? I mean, it depends on which part of the world you are you decide who to say so first of all artificial intelligence in asia in case of an environmental disaster it will change it will sorry uh save other people than here in europe and how how to do with this how to do with this difference 
And I guess government bodies will have to be involved, right? Because if it's up to a private company, then you might dissolve and get this homogenous, homogenized world. So maybe the, you know, like that'll have to adapt from country to country. So also in this case, human being is needed to solve the problem. Like, uh, yeah. Well, so that actually might create jobs too, right? Like, um, not only for engineers, but, uh, well, people like us, maybe are thinking more about language mm -hmm. and culture and, and ethics and philosophy, like, okay, how can we adjust the algorithm to best suit the, this culture? That'd actually be fascinating. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, it, yeah, I think from, um, from one side, it can, um, well, it can be a bad thing, you know, for some job position using this artificial intelligence. And then, as we said, from other point of view, it may add new job position, something really particular that needs to be done for this, for this um, artificial intelligence. So um, let's see. But it's something that will happen probably very soon. I agree on that. I think so too. All right, Monica, do you have any other questions related to this for me or anything else you wanted to mention about chat GPT or the artificial intelligence, or do you want to bring it into a different direction? No, I think it's okay. I think we talk almost one hour. Of this, uh, yeah, so. I, I, this is all I have on it right now, maybe in the future. And listeners, of course, uh, I'm going to write an article about this as well. Uh, so you can go to withoutborders.fyi to join in on the conversation. I'm trying to create a community there of nomads and expats and anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. So um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and if you are an English learner, you could also access the transcript there. And then uh, maybe you can put my transcript into chat. GDP and it'll correct some of the more mistakes. It will be interesting, um, <laughs> interesting for example, to have another chat in a couple of months, years, and let's see how. Let's see how much it advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah changed. Definitely. <laughs> um, so, Monica, I still don't know much about you. <laughs> so, let's hear a little bit more about your immigration story. Um, so, you grew up in Italy. Yes. Uh, half your family is from Czech Republic, but you never lived. In the I lived just one year. I was working after my bachelor degree and before my master's degree, I decided to have this gap year and work. So I went to work to Czech Republic because uh, I've always uh, I've always spent time in Czech Republic just for holidays. You know, the typical holiday with my family during Christmas, during summer, but I would never really live there. So because I lived, I grew up in Italy for 19 years because at 19 years old I went to Switzerland for studies so I said no you know what I want to also see the other part of me the other side of my personality and see how how the Czech culture is if if I can see myself so I'm, I'm interested in that what what part of your personality feels Czech and what part of your personality feels Italian? well I love beer <laughs> so that is completely <laughs> Czech. I'm not really into wine. I'm not so um, such a wine person. Uh, but to be honest, I feel more Italian than Czech. I really see these uh, differences now that I live there. Uh, that I'm much more. I'm an open-minded person. I'm very smiley. I like staying in contact with people. Um, this is more something typical Italian than Czech. Czech people. Well, if you ask someone who wants to, to check, they will probably tell you that they're not really friendly. 
because they don't have this typical style of we have in the south of Italy. Yeah, let's come to eat, no problem. Let's add a, a chair, you know, come to eat our place. In Czech Republic, there is not really this culture. Everyone is more serious, more not really that friendly. I mean, the thing is, yeah. the problem is also that uh, for me, it's different. And I will explain you why, because I speak the language. So for me, going there and if I have to express and say something, uh, they will, oh, you speak Czech. Okay, sure. So I will tell you, I will help you. Uh, when there is a tourist that goes there and needs help, you know, like obviously the tourist speaks in English or in German or I mean other language. And so they are not that kind of open to help everyone. So they, of course, they answer you. But for me, this kind of experience is different because I speak Czech, obviously. So when I, I always speak Czech, I mean, I've never, I ever speak English, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, well, just a, hey, I got a question mm -hmm. for you um, because it kind of ties into, uh, you said you're a more smiley person that's with your um, Italian side. <laughs> um, but if you would say, this is uh, who values life uh, and pleasure more? Italians or people from the Czech Republic? Italians. Italians. Right? Italians. So, but what's in interesting about that is, um, I, I just made up that question for you, but they did one, they did a similar one for some research, and they said, who values enjoying life and pleasure more, East Germans or Italians? Right? And of course, everyone thinks to answer right away, Italians. Um, but it turns out that East Germans scored the third highest of all the countries on the dimension, while uh, Italians scored the lowest. <laughs> and the reason, the idea behind this is the deprivation, de de deprivation effect. Um, like to make sense of it, it's like if you consider what people actually have compared to what they would like to have, right? So in, in Italy, uh, you have this lifestyle of, you know, sitting on the patios, spending two hours with lunch for lunch, um, you know, enjoying life. Whereas in East Germany, you didn't have, you know, it's cold, you can't sit on the patio all year and things like that. So because they're deprived of it, they say that they value it more. Makes sense. Which Makes is, sense. which is interesting when you think about your own values or your culture's values, right? Sometimes what you say doesn't actually reflect the behavior or the, or the people themselves. But uh, do you feel like Czech people are less friendly? I've always had a good experience. And whenever people go to Prague, at least, I always hear incredible feedback. Yes. I mean, if you look at the people in Prague, and I went there in December uh, before Christmas to see friends and family. And actually, say, okay, wait a second. I'm going to look at Czech people walking, for example, in the city. They were not smiling, for example. They were just, you know, um, so I was like, I mean, I like Czech Republic, okay? It sounds now that I'm, <laughs> that I don't really like it, but no, I like Czech Republic. I like Prague because Prague is a very nice city. Uh, of course, if you go outside Prague, it's okay. There are just little cities, so it's different. But I mean, I, I've i always, well, almost all, always heard about people going there and that the Czech people were not, pro well, people in Prague. Uh, we're not that friendly, so... Um, Do, does your family there ever comment for you since you smile a lot? Because I've heard that response too sometimes, you know, when like 
very bubbly person goes, well, it wasn't Chaka. I, I think they were talking about uh, Russian, uh-huh. actually. And the Russian just looks at the person like, what the fuck's wrong with your face? It's like, it's called a smile. <laughs> <laughs> but does your, does your family ever comment that you're like, well, why is she so bubbly? Or No. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> no comment on that. Okay. No, but. Now, um, well. I know we don't know each other too well yet, but uh, Ruben let me know that you love mm-hmm. Finn, right? So, um, how how do you feel that Spanish people and Italian people are different or similar? Like, was there anything that you had to do to adapt to the Spanish culture? Or do you feel like it just had a very similar, you know, Southern Mediterranean feel? Or oh, Well, I had... I had to adapt to the different um, meal time. Let's say that's good for me. I normally eat around one, and they eat, you know, at three, and the dinner the same thing. Like they eat around ten thirty something, and I'm not really used to that. So first thing I had to adapt. But you like beer? Are you are you happy about the fact that you can drink beer in the morning beer in Spain? Fuck. <laughs> stay away from. Yeah, I try to stay away from the morning beer. <laughs> But uh, I think this side of the the different different hour well when we eat in Italy and in in Spain I feel it a lot because of the difference with the Czech Republic as well, like because in Czech Republic um, we have dinner around six p.m. probably you know, uh, but why? But because uh, during the winter at four p.m. it's already dark in Czech Republic. So what can you do? Well, you just eat, you know. So but. The difference, I think I feel more the difference in Spain because I had also this experience in, in Czech Republic. And then other things in Spain, well, um, we like the hot water. So we we like when it's sunny, when it's, you know, those kind of days. Oh, because you're from the yes. north of Italy, right? Yes. Um, and <clears throat> it's... This thing that I really suffer a lot the weather. So when it's cloudy, for example, foggy, um, uh, I had I have another kind of personality in those days. Now this is something I'm kind of curious about. I just thought of it, but um, of course there are some frictions with uh, Southern Italians and Northern Italians, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, in Spain there are some frictions. Well, not between the South and the North of Spain, just frictions between like every (laughs) (laughs) but do you feel as like the northern Italian that you have more things in common with southern Italians or do you feel like you have more things in common with the kind of like more northern uh, Spaniards (laughs) well like we're in Castellón so we're kind of just right in the middle we're not really I guess we're a little bit Word. Oh. Yeah, it's right in the middle. Mm. I've never thought about it. Um, okay. It's a good question. Hi. Uh, okay, let, let, let's look at the differences. Maybe you can help with the, the Spanish one. So in Italy, uh, well, the north is normally seen as the place where there is more work. So people come from the south to the north for having work. And work yeah, faster. Yeah, work faster. And then... Uh, people from the north go to the south for holidays because there is good sea, good beaches and food. And, you know, um, like during the holidays, people go to the south of Italy. And during the rest of the year, people go to the north for, for work. That's like, you know, the big. In Spain, 
so in Spain, uh, well, for example, people from Madrid, I guess they go to the beach as well, to Valencia and that part, right? So the difference you meant is more in every comunidad, right? In every... Yeah, I think it's... it's... Because to me, it feels like, it, from what I know in Italy, there's just more of a divide between the South yeah. and the North. And in yes. Spain, I think it's a little bit more difficult to do mm. that. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, there's so many divisions sometimes right next to each other, right? Like Valencia and, and then Catalonia. There's really different views politically and some different things. Yeah, it's not that, it's not, there is not that cut as in Italy, for example. Um, Spain, yeah. um, well, during this work, of differences in Spain, I think it's more it's more hard than um, than in Italy because uh, Italy is as you said, north and south. In Spain, yeah, it's harder. Well, let's bring it in a different direction then for you to adapt. What about food? <laughs> Do you think the food is is okay here in Spain, or do you think it's way, you think it's better than in Italy, or way yeah, But I think there is, here in Italy, we have more variety of food, I think, than if, than in Spain, uh, that without talking uh, about Czech Republic, because that is also another, <laughs> another thing, because, uh, yeah. well, in Spain, I like Spanish food. I cannot say that I don't like Spanish food, but uh, I miss the pasta and the pizza sometimes <laughs> like you know here we eat pasta and pizza like pizza well pizza more or less but pasta at least once a day we eat pizza here and i think that is something similar for spanish people with eggs with uh tortilla i think that for breakfast is yeah. pretty normal to have tortilla right in in spain yeah. um so i prefer Italian food for it because there is more variety, but um, it, it's another it's another way I think of thinking about food. If you think about tapas, here we have the aperitivo, which is the same idea. Okay, having something to drink and something to eat before um, before dinner, and in Spain as well with the tapas, something to drink, something to to eat. You know. Um, the, for example, this this does not exist in Czech Republic, but because Czech Republic, you know, historically didn't have access to so many food as we had, for example. So uh, they have a lot of meat, they have a lot of potatoes. For example, potatoes are basically the only vegetable that they use in Czech Republic. But just for historical point of view and also also because of the weather, like if you think about what when there is, I went, as I said, I went to Czech Republic in December and there were minus 12 degrees Celsius. So what kind of vegetables can you have with minus 12 degrees? I mean, it's not possible. You can just have carrots and potatoes, basically. So, um, but here in, here in Spain, I think also there's more variety with the food in the north. Like if you go to, the I've never been there. There, I would say, you tell me. Okay, well, there I would say, like, okay, um, well, a lot of Spanish people will say, like, oh, it almost seems that they're jealous of the Italian reputation. Like, I've heard a lot of Spanish people get pissed off when people say, like, oh, Italian food is better. (laughs) And then they usually say, like, oh, but they just don't know Spanish food. And I usually just shut up at that point because I don't want to get into an argument. 
but in the Basque country, I do think it's on par with Italy. Also, like there's just more variety mm-hmm. and more ex- experiment. You know, the thing the thing that I uh, saw is probably there is more similarity uh, between like fish in Spain, the amount of fish that yeah. they they eat, and the south of Italy. Like, if you think about my city, Torino, it's from the north, so we have more meats than sea. We don't have the seaside here. So if you go to the south of Italy, okay. uh, fish, well, once a day they eat fish probably as Spanish people. Um, here in the north, we have more meat than than fish. So I think there is a little bit more of similarity with the south of Italy and, and Spain. Yeah. But I've never been to the north of Spain, so I had to... Oh, you have, have to, to go. You have to go. San Sebastian is is incredible as well. For for well, a lot of big pinches, uh, right? The, but, the, the that's the that's a the place of the pinches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monica, just to bring it in a little different direction, I I ask everyone this on the show that's multilingual, um, and everyone gives some different responses. I always find it interesting. It's uh, how do you feel like your identity and your personality has changed or develops with the different languages that you speak? Like, do you feel like you have a different side of yourself that you're able to express, um, express more, let's say in, in Italian or in Spanish or English or Czech? Uh, well, let's start from the fact that I feel more Italian just due to the fact that I grew up in Italy now there is but it's true that when I was when I was a child I started to speak very I mean a bit later than other other children because my brain was trying to understand which language was Czech and which language was Italian because my mom was speaking just Czech with me and my dad just Italian with me and so I had to split the two languages and learn okay this word is in Czech this word is in Italian but then, okay, going to the school here in Italy, I grew up feeling more Italian than Czech. So um, I think from the inside, from my perspective, it's hard to say this, but I had, I, I had, yeah, sorry, tell me. Uh, I was just going to, like, more, more so just when you speak the language now, right? Like, not not how you feel as a general as a person, but let's say when you switch yes. over to Czech, when you switch over to English do you start to notice that you behave in a different way? Like, okay, for instance, um, my my friend and I were talking about this. He's his wife speaks French mm-hmm. and English. Um, he he does as well. And he mentioned that he knows that his wife is uh, quicker to complain when she speaks French. And it's just like, and he just noticed it's almost a cultural thing. And I notice it as well now in Spanish. Like, I think. I complain a bit more in Spanish than I do in English because it's just more of a cultural thing. Like here, people, they just get together and they kind of complain. It's like that, the, the small talk, right? Like complaining about work and mm-hmm. things and, um, well, if, yeah, so things like that, where you might just notice like, oh, in English, I talk more about this and Czech. Is... But in Czech, it's for the in Czech, when I talk in Czech, I am, I'm more serious. I'm not that happy. Uh, I don't know, my my voice as well is not that high, it's not that... I'm more serious, but when I... So more Czech as well, yeah, really. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's that more Czech. But for example, um, I use my hands a lot when I speak, and that's super 
Italian thing. And when I yeah. speak in Czech, I often use my hands as well. And for example, a friend of mine that I met, I met this girl in Madrid when I was doing my exchange there. So I was living in Madrid. I didn't have this kind of influence of my hands, you know, moving all the time when I'm talking. And so there, she didn't notice this particular, but this fact about me. But then we met again in Prague, in Czech Republic, after two years and a half that I was living here in Italy. And she said, oh, you're, you're much more, you look much more Italian right now because you move your hands a lot. And also the way of, of talking, you know, I was, of course, speaking Czech with her, but the pronunciation was much more stronger because, you know, in Italian we have the R. So we, in English, we tend to pronounce uh, everything. So we have very strong pronunciation. And I was sometimes um, using that kind of pronunciation in Czech as well. So she, she noticed that. <laughs> now, what about emotionally? Do you feel like you're more hot tempered in Italian than in Czech or in English? Oh, really? Oh, well, uh, in, in Italian, I think. I think, I think, yeah, it's always Italian. Well, you know, it, it also depends where I'm living because it happened to me, for example, when I was living in Switzerland, I lived in Switzerland for two years and something. Um, I changed a bit there. Like I didn't feel so much Italian there. Uh, I was also dreaming in France, for example, you know, now that I'm in, in Italy, I would say Italian, definitely. Like now I really feel the, the side of that, you know, um, everything at the end goes back to the fact that I'm Italian. <laughs> Okay. So, but, but what about you, for example? Well, uh, well for me, as I said, with Spanish, Spanish and I don't like, I, maybe I complain a little bit more. Um, I'll, but I also just feel dumber, right? Because I have to search for the mm -hmm. correct words. It's just a little bit more difficult to to express exactly what I want. Um, but then with Flemish, I I just feel a little bit more childlike. Uh, because I just associated with the language that I speak with my family and what I spoke as a kid more often. Um, so like, let's say talking about like sex mm -hmm. or something like that, it's, it feels a little bit weird to me in, uh, Flemish, <laughs> whereas like in English and Spanish, it's fine. But from, yeah, from a linguistic point of view, so you feel more comfortable in definitely in English when you have to, okay. In English. Oh yeah. Then, of course. then Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Same for me. Um, Italian and Czech. And I think, um, coming back to the question about the personality, I think that it's related to how comfortable I feel in the country with the language, you know? Uh, so I think it's also related, um, like when I go to Czech Republic, I feel comfortable because I speak the language, but not till that point of how I feel comfortable here in Italy, because, um, in my case, I've never studied the Czech grammar. I've never been to a Czech school. So if I have to talk normal things, of course I can talk with you, but then if I have to talk to, to say something more difficult regarding, you know, politics or going to the hospital, you know, for some illness or something, um, it it's, it's hard and because I don't feel in that particular situation so comfortable because I don't get all the words. Maybe I don't know how to express myself in a good way. 
So I think it's it's related to, okay, I feel comfortable in this country, but with this language as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, what about humor-wise? How would you describe the different humor between Czech, Italy, Spain, and which humor do you like the most? So, um, uh, Italian. <laughs> okay, so what, how would you describe Italian? Uh, well, it, you know, Italian, Italian humor, it's... Uh, well, it's easier, not just from a linguistic point of view, because I, I get everything, you know. So if there is something that makes me laugh, makes me laugh because I get that word, but also with the hands. So you don't actually need to, for example, okay. you know, do some, say something particular. You just do a sign with your hand and that's, uh, okay, that's something. That means something. And so for the humor, like, for example, uh, okay. in Spain or in Czech Republic, you really need to express yourself in order to the other person to get the humor you're expressing in Italy. No, you don't, you don't yeah. have to. So there are plenty of things that, okay. You just, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, uh, <laughs> now between Spain, Czech and Italy, uh, which one do you think is most similar to like British humor? Like which is, are any of them a little bit more dry and sarcastic and kind of delivered, um, yeah, did, does more dry, right? Like kind of the opposite of what you're so obviously no, not, not Italian, <laughs> right? Because obviously not. More dry, more. Wow, that's hard. Um, so, nah, I don't. I don't think Czech. I don't think really Czechs. No. Well, what about harsh jokes? Because I noticed sometimes, well, not so much anymore. But at the beginning, I would uh, tell some jokes. Here, the response to always get is like, "Give with the deal." Like, that's that's pretty rough, right? But in uh, like British humor, that's just what you do. Or even Canadians, like, we just kind of make fun of each other the whole time when you're with a group of friends, right? But here in Spain, I find you you could do it too. With some, it obviously depends on the person and depends on the individual. But I think on average, it's a little bit less acceptable to make like a uh huh. It's argument. okay. Um, less. Ah. Because, okay, I've never tried that kind of jokes in in Spain, neither in Czech Republic. Um, what about in Italy? Can can the humor get pretty dark in Italy, or is it more like really just like body language type? It humor? can become a bit dark, yeah, but um, yeah, not that much because we still uh, we we are still that point of using, as I said, the hands. You know, that's the humor. That's the average of humor. If you go a bit more into the, the dark humor, the, well, obviously it's, it depends on the on every person. So there are people who like that, people who do not like it. But I think... Yeah, of course. So in Spain, you think that you need to, to pay attention to what you say, how you express... Yeah. Not really. Of, of course, it depends who I'm with and, and the individual, but I'm just kind of just looking at the general mm -hmm. feelings of the type of humor right like i i find if you can make someone laugh in a language that's when you start to show mastery of the language right because you understand not only the words but you also understand mm -hmm. the the culture around it right like there's just certain expressions that i just love in spanish and i can just they're they're so funny and then you you do it in english and it just doesn't really come across the same way mm -hmm. um you know, but if I think we're in the boat, there, 
I do not have any kind of jokes that I do here in Italy that I can do, for example, in Czech Republic. Um, what about sayings? Are there any like modismos or idioms in uh, in Italian that you really miss? Because uh, we're we're almost coming up, we're over an hour here. So just to wrap it up, I kind of want to know some of the things you you miss in Italy word wise. Is there a word or an expression that really ah oh, like I love this? Or um, if it, if nothing comes to mind, maybe an expression in Spanish that makes you so excited about living here. Like for me in Spanish, one I really love is uh, like if you're if you're broke, no tengo ni mierda en las tripas, right? Like I don't even have shit in my test in my in, in my intestines. Which is like English, it sounds kind of funny, but in Spanish, it just seems. Oh, and the one I like, for example, in Spanish is me has tocado la patata or lo que has dicho me has tocado la patata i mean they really like it's it's touched me like what you said it really really touched me you know like um <laughs> but you cannot translate it to check or tan. okay so i think the one you just used and the expression i used those are so spanish like it just it capsulate it, it, it really captures the culture in a way, right? So what is a saying in Italian that you really feel like captures the culture? A saying? Ooh. Oh, wait, wait a second. Mm, it's not really a saying. It's uh, it's a word that we use, for example, after lunch uh, that you feel, you know, tired because you, you just ate. So you, you just want to sit on the couch and doing nothing, you know. It's uh, la penichella. La penichella is that moment, yeah, like that. Penichella. Penichella. But there is no way of translating in Czech or Italian. It's just how you feel this, that sense of, you know, I don't want to talk. I don't want to just focus on something. I just want to stay here and wait for my body to, you know, have the energy again because I just eat. And there is no way to translate it. I mean, because if you say, nah, I'm... Uh-uh, I'm not ready now to work. I need to rest. Or la siesta. It's not really la siesta, you know, because la siesta is the break you have. Okay, you just relax. La penichella. I think it really gives you the idea that you, okay, you just eat, you know, you need to, to rest. You need the, like, no stress at all. La penichella. Yeah. That, that, that's one. Then uh, I can try and think about other other saying other words. Wait, tell me. Because yeah, wor words are fine too, right? Like a, another Spanish one I'm thinking of, uh -huh. picado, <laughs> which you can't really translate in English. Like it, it translates to English as um rascal, but rascal's more for yeah. kids, and a picado is more with adults. You know, <laughs> someone that is intelligent in a sly kind of way, maybe avoids taxes. Yeah, uh, picado. Likes a little bit more mischievous side of life, and it's also again so Spanish. And I love how, and that's what ties in with personality. Like when you learn a new language, you learn these new words that give you access to mm -hmm. different descriptions. The same in your own language. When you learn a new word, you can better describe something that yeah you already know, but the second that you have a word for it you understand your own feeling about it better, right? Like, you know it's there, but then the second you get a word for it, it's like, ah, yes, that's it. And that's the beauty of learning. 
Yeah, because it's not just about learning the, lang uh, the language. It's about learning then what's behind the language, the culture, though. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That, that's that's what I like about studying languages. Now, Monica, just to wrap up this episode, because we're coming up on the end here, and just to bring it all together, one thing that I just thought about with um, the chat GPT and talking about these words and these idioms, I find chat GPT so much better than almost any other translation service, at least for with English and Spanish, um, how many modismos it knows and its knowledge about specific words. Like I asked um, chat GPT mm -hmm. what a giddy is, right? Um, listeners to the show, if you've listened to some prior episodes, you know that I'm a giddy. <laughs> this pretty much means white ass foreigner. Right. And I asked, um, oh, I wonder if I still have it here. One second. But, you know, I was talking to. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I said, gaze um giddy. Sorry, I said, gaze um giddy. And it gave um, a good explanation about like how it's a, it's a, uh, well, it's in Spanish here, but I'll say it in English. <clears throat> like um, a tourist that uh, usually speaks English and isn't Latin. Right. So, <laughs> and then I gave my explanation which is kind of more a funny one and, and in english it's like a giddy is someone that puts ketchup on the tortilla mixes the verbs estar and uh, ser, uh, ser uh leaves tips looks for restaurants that are open between three and eight leaves the club at 10 and cries in city hall and uh, orders paella outside of valencia and then i asked chat chief chief uh gpt what do you think of this response and it said like oh your response uh is is very precise or is quite precise and you described many of the characteristics that are common among uh tourists and uh ex expats in space <laughs> right so it's like this the understanding of the language and the culture is so much better than any translation service which i think mm -hmm. is great for learning languages what what do you think how, let's just wrap it up with that how, how do you I, feel about it and yeah i agree i think it, it, it's very good in explaining this particular this particular fact about a, a language and uh, uh i just wanted to before i i forgot about this uh but you know i was talking to uh other spanish people now that i was there in spain but the i don't know why but the funny part is that uh they said they do not consider for example italian as giri and i asked why i mean we, we are not i mean we were not born in state. We come from another country and we did not speak Spanish. And why we're not giddy for you? All right. We had a bit of a technical issue there. Uh, something happened to Monica's sound. So sorry to end the conversation without a conclusion. And Monica did want to say bye and thank all the listeners. Um, and of course, I thank you as well. And if you want to support the show, please go to withoutborders.fyi. I do rely on paid subscriptions and subscriptions to make this all possible. And I would really love to have you all as part of the community and so we can discuss some of these topics further. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>